Line to Gain podcast. This is episode 14, covering week 13 of the 2023 NFL season. My name is Jeremy Dixon, here as always with Mike Parker. Mike, how you doing, man? Doing really good. Glad to be back this week um, to uh, discuss the games. Things are starting to get a little heated. Um, things are starting to matter. We're starting to see, uh, you know, the the teams separate themselves, the, the best teams getting to the top and the other teams kind of fighting for that draft position at this point. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's good. Definitely. Uh, the, the, some of the cream is rising and uh, so I guess some of the terrible teams are sinking to the bottom as is expected. So, yeah, <laughs> they definitely uh, are. And we don't, um, have, we don't have anything to cover in our degenerate corner this week, so. Yeah, I was, I was looking at, I was watching, um, I think it was Nuggets and, oh gosh, who was it? Anyways, it was the Nuggets game a couple of days ago. And they had, no, it was, uh, it was Bucks, uh, Knicks yesterday. And they had all of these like FanDuel things. It was like the odds of uh, Damon hit, uh, hitting three and a half threes, you know, things like that. And I go, oh, it might be interesting to do some uh, same game parlays with some of these player props. Um, just to, I'm going to take a peek at that and maybe like see if I can combine it with some NFL bets, just get playful with it. And it's all funny money anyway. Right. All right. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how what I come up with. All right, well, let's uh, let's dig into these games. All right, this week we had uh, several teams on by. We had the Buffalo Bills, Chicago Bears, Las Vegas Raiders, Minnesota Vikings, uh, the New York football Giants, and the Baltimore Ravens were all on by. Um, so we're going to get kicked off here with our Thursday night football game, which was uh, Seattle at Dallas. Um, this was game two of Seattle's four-game gauntlet, and – uh, it was the game that I thought Seattle had an opportunity to steal. Um, Dallas hadn't beat a team over 500 all season. Uh, they're kind of on record for finding weird ways to lose against decent teams. Um, I felt Seattle had some good momentum going in uh, to uh, the second half. They scored a TD in their first possession uh, to go up 28 to 20. They were up 21, 20 going into halftime. Um, but Dallas offense, Dallas offense uh, responded by adding 21 points, and that Dallas defense responded by taking it right to Chino's ear hole. Um, they last, they lost uh, Zach Charbonnet, which was a huge, which was huge for Seattle. He had 100 all-purpose yards and a TD before his injury. Seattle couldn't find an answer uh, in the running game after. Yeah, I haven't heard. I haven't really been paying attention to the Seattle. Uh... Uh, injury report this week to see if because uh, Kenneth Walker missed the game obviously with a with an injury that he'd been dealing with for a couple it's of an weeks. oblique or something yeah something like that so I and I don't know what the status of uh I'm not even sure did Charbonnet leave with a concussion was that what it was yeah it was yeah. a concussion yep so I haven't heard if he's going to be able to clear protocol to, to make it into this uh 49ers game this week but um we'll see I guess DJ Dallas might be the guy uh so well, I mean, we, we have quite a gauntlet left, man. We're only halfway through this four game, this four games of death. Uh, we got the 49ers again next week, and then we, we have Philly. So, I mean, Thank I think we have Seattle's um, 
Seattle's one of these teams that feels, even though they did so well this week, I mean, I just don't see how they're going to make the playoffs. It's going to be tough. Especially well, it's likely Green Bay, Green Bay and the Rams are, are right there too. Are, are surging for sure. Yeah, I think right now we're actually outside of the playoffs looking in. So we are, we are. Anyway, um, yeah, my my first uh, my note on this, you know, the Seahawks uh, come into this game as nine and a half point underdogs, um, and I figured they're just going to get run out of there. I, I really was looking at this game going in, thinking, okay, I bet Seattle's defense is going to do all right against, and they did. They the did Dallas the first offense, half, but figured that the Dallas defense was going to shut our offense completely down. And it was absolutely, it was the opposite. I mean, Dallas's offense kind of ran free. I don't think they punted in the first half um, or maybe only once, but yeah, they, and only a few times in the game, maybe uh, no, no, there was no punts in the game. So it was all it was turnovers or or anytime the ball got switched hands it was on a turnover or on a change you know a fourth down change of possession so anyway could not believe uh how wrong i was on this game uh neither team could stop the other team's offense um yeah and Seattle- i mean D- dallas's defense they're they, they're one of many that got my game ball this week. They only allowed seven points in that second half, uh, or I'm sorry, 14 points in that second half. So it, it wasn't, they really kind of tightened it down a bit. And and I'll look at the front four in particular, uh, particularly uh, Micah Parsons. Um, surprisingly, Gino was not sacked once in this game, but they had six quarterback hits, um, but they were in his face all night. Gino was pressured on 55% of his dropbacks. This is the highest in the next-gen stat era since they've been tracking this particular stat. And he was getting the ball out every, like, 2.42 seconds, the quickest time recorded uh, in the next-gen stat era. So it's weird anomalies in this game. The defense was getting there really, really fast. There was a lot of pressure on him. But Gino, to his credit, was getting the ball out there. Um, And honestly, I think that's what contributed to his 334 yards, three TDs um, on this game. So he looked sharp um, just towards the end of the game when they really needed to dial up uh, like a couple of plays uh, to get in the scoring position. They just couldn't. They went a bunch of four and outs. Um, That was the thing. Seattle scores, Mike, to go up 35-27 just uh, like 45 seconds into the fourth quarter on DK Metcalf's third touchdown of the game. Uh, but from there, Dallas kicks a field goal to make it 35-30, scores a touchdown and gets the two-point conversion to make it 38-35, and then kicks another mm-hmm. field goal to go up by six. And then Seattle's play calling, as it was already going downhill, really went in the toilet on the final drive. And that last play of the game, they I, they were trying to like – it almost felt like they out out thought themselves like Zach Charbonnet's out of the game. DJ Dallas is your running back at this point, your third string running back special teams captain, but you know, he's not that guy and they expect him to get across in front of Geno Smith, chip Micah Parsons, who they purposely don't block and that they think that Geno Smith's going to be able to get the ball out to him on a little, little screenplay. And Micah Parsons is on Geno Smith before TJ Dallas can get across Geno Smith's face. It was insane. Um, 
So yeah, Here, here's what I'll here's college. what I'll say about Dallas. We found their weakness. We didn't exploit it well enough, especially in the second half. But it's there. They have an opportunistic secondary, right? A lot of interceptions, and a lot of points off those interceptions, but short passes. Most all three of uh, of the touchdowns uh, that um, DK Metcalf had were on short routes with him getting yak. To me, that's exactly what San Francisco does. That's the basis of their offense. I don't see how Dallas with that with that secondary is going to be able to beat the 49ers in any scenario. Um, it's like one of those things where they just have the formula to beat that particular defense, that Dan Quinn type defense. Um, this game, again, we exploited it. I just think we could have gone with those short passes again, just move the ball down on the field a little bit better. Um, the running the ball on those fourth and you know fourth and shorts, third and shorts. I mean that hadn't been successful all day. Um, I, I don't know. It just to get to your point. Game plan needed to be better. I have a couple more shoutouts before we move on to the next game. CD Lamb, I hear you. You can be a one if you want to. Well, you got 116 yards and a touchdown, 30 yards rushing. You deserve it, man. Well, he caught 12 balls too, man. That was pretty, yeah, pretty nice. Game. Yeah, so I, I actually made note of that as well. He he just, he really worked hard to accumulate these yards, right? He just became this possession receiver when they needed it. Time and time again, he just delivered a key play that kept the chains moving. So I was really impressed by his, his performance uh, on Thursday. Also want to shout out uh, Jake Ferguson. Um, out there doing the Lord's work, battling Jamal Adams, caught six balls, 77 yards, and a go-ahead touchdown in the fourth corner. He looked really good out there as well. Yeah, he did. He did. All right, Indiana at Tennessee. Um, this was a surprisingly weird game. Uh, this game was a bit of a grab bag of weird NFL phenomenon. You know, backup quarterback throws for over 300, rookie quarterback arguing with a veteran receiver, seven total fumbles, three total turnovers, a significant leg injury to a punter, overtime, dramatic game-winning drive for a TD. I mean, just just crazy, crazy what happened. Yeah, you know, the game was really back and forth. You know, Derrick Henry scores two first-half touchdowns uh, to put Tennessee up 17-13 at half. Uh, third quarter, the Colts. Um, blocked their second punt of the game, almost killing the Tennessee punter, and uh, returned that one for a touchdown to give them a 22-17 lead. And then the two teams kind of exchanged field goals, um, and uh, there was a blocked extra point by Tennessee Titans uh, that was returned for a two-point conversion as well. This game was just kind of all over the place, man. It was a lot of like crazy special teams plays, yeah, it was super entertaining, though, at the same time. I was going to say, just being a, a in the crowd during this game must have been just fantastic. Definitely had to have your head on a swivel, man. Can't No, 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 uh, <laughs> no plays off. No plays off. So I wanted to spotlight the loss to Jonathan Taylor here. We talked about this last week, is having that, like, durable uh, back that can both – beat you with speed and power and also just kind of grind out wins towards the end of the game. They didn't have that here. Um, they lost Jonathan Taylor uh, last game to um, uh, a hand injury. Their running game only managed 55 yards on 23 carries against Tennessee. Um, I, I had, I was skeptical that Zach Moss could fill this gap. Um, I think this is going to, they're making a push for the playoffs. It's very clear. They're actually in the playoffs right now. Um, they're the seven seed, I believe. Uh, in the AFC. So 
I mean, they're definitely trying to make it happen. I just don't see it without having a sustainable running game. I, I'm not sure how they're going to pull it off. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say also there was one other crazy. So um, uh, DeAndre Hopkins uh, catches a touchdown pass from Will Levis with four minutes and 26 seconds to go in the game. Nick Folk misses the extra point that would have put them ahead by one. Uh, so the tie game ends up going to overtime and they end up losing. Obviously they get a field goal and then uh, Indianapolis comes back and um, let, let, let's throw missed. Let's, let's throw missed extra point into that grab bag. Yeah. It's just crazy. I mean, there's like, yeah, both of these teams, uh, there was a lot, a lot of uh, terrible plays and, and, but exciting and, and interesting stuff going on in this one. So all right. Yeah, um, so I wanted to. All... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, my game ball, uh, Gardner Minshew, sixty-two uh, percent passing on uh, uh, forty-two attempts for three hundred and twelve yards, two touchdowns. He went three for four for sixty-eight yards in the game-winning drive. So uh, good job by him there. Um, it, I. It just got me thinking: Is Gardner Minshew the best backup quarterback in the league? No man, I need to see. I need to see a couple more games from my boy. Uh, well, I'm just posing the question. I think I think it's a question we should be asking ourselves because I mean, we have we have a lot of backup quarterbacks out there playing at the moment, and I'm not sure who's better. I'm not going to go one game of Jake Jake and Bake Browning at this point. I'm actually I need to see a little bit more. They're gonna they're gonna play each other this weekend at Cincinnati and Indianapolis this weekend. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of interested to see that game. Backup quarterback meta. There we go. There you go. Right. Well, well, uh, Mike, well folks, we'll, we'll, we'll report back on that one next week. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to shout out Michael Pittman, too. Uh, he goes over 100 yards and has a touchdown. Um, he's he's really kind of uh, playing well the last few weeks. So Good He time. has. I, I, I've been hard on him. Um, he is their number one option. It's, not, it's very clear. But I think he put him on, you know, 80%. 90% of the teams out there. I, I think he's, he's a two receiver. I think he's a T Higgins. Uh, he's not a Jamar chase, but uh, he is doing what he needs to do to get, the, get wins for this team. So um, I just keep, you can do, you can just do what you can do, right? Can't do more. All right. Anything else for this game? No. All right. Let's move on. Next game is the Los Angeles angels at the Boston Red Sox. Angels win six zero. Oh no, wait, uh, this is a football game. It was the Chargers at New England. Um, man, Chargers beat New England with this baseball score. Uh, and then they descended into the first circle of hell, offensive limbo. Jesus Christ, yeah. Um, this one, I, I, I had two, two sentences. Dicker the kicker, two field goals in the second quarter, and that's it. These two teams are Got terrible. my game ball. These two teams are <laughs> terrible. Uh Ramondi Stevenson gets hurt, and that's all I have to say about this game. Yeah, my final note, uh, I'm going to be really excited to watch Bill Belichick coaching the, the Chargers next year. That will be interesting. I, Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. All right, all right let's, get, let's get out of here. Let's go to Detroit at New Orleans. I turned on this uh, on the red zone a little bit late on Sunday, and Detroit uh, was, was just about to score their third touchdown in the first quarter. And I kind of said to myself, this game is over. Well, but it wasn't. <laughs> New Orleans rattled off four touchdowns 
and had a late uh, and had the ball late in the fourth quarter with an opportunity to, to win. Um, you know, unfortunately, James Winston had a different idea. He went one for four on the final drive, uh, including three straight incomplete passes to destroy their chances at completing the comeback. So um, James Winston strikes again. Yeah, um, I was impressed, uh, you know, like same kind of situation. Detroit goes up 21 nothing there in the first quarter. It's 24-7 at halftime. Shout out Jimmy Graham for uh, catching. I think they said he's only caught two or three balls this year, and two of the three have been touchdowns. Um, okay, so, yeah. Well, the same thing happened to hit when we got him into Seattle. It's like, where did Jimmy Graham go? He caught all those touchdowns for um, – I think it was the Saints. Yeah, he was and a- he comes to Seattle, and it's just like we can't figure out how to get the ball to him. No. I, don't, I don't know. He just uh, disappears sometimes. But yeah, Derek wasn't he Carr- walking down the street like naked for some reason? What before this year started? What happened with that? I'm not sure. Probably though, I'm not. I wouldn't put it past him. CTE happened with that. Um, yeah. Yes, Derek Carr leaves the game. I, yeah, I was surprised that they were able to get back in this one so quick, but that has a lot to do with Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill. Both, uh, you know, Kamara goes for two touchdowns. Taysom Hill gets a third, and they're right back in it. Um, before, so yeah. let's 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 pause for a sec. My my spotlight. Uh, speaking of Derek Carr, was Bruce Irvin ending Derek Carr? Whew. Did you see the hit? I did. I mean, he hit him, and they went, like, horizontal, and then just all his weight came down. He got a flag for it, but it's really – we talked about those outside rushers that played for Seattle. Um, What was it? Um, Frank uh, and Bruce Irvin and, what did you say, Aaron Curry. They all had that problem where they couldn't seal the edge, but they were really fast guys. A lot of penalties, too. What was the guy with all the arm tats that uh, was always offsides? The white Um, guy. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> he went to UCLA. But, I could totally picture his face. But. And it's like, those are the guys that we end up picking high in the draft if, from an edge rusher perspective. And those guys just keep on, keep on keeping on. I'll say that. Reserve and just like out there getting 15 yard penalties and destroying quarterbacks. Yeah. No doubt. Um, yeah. I did see that, uh, that Bruce Irvin, made a mention of uh, his time with Derek Carr uh, with the Raiders and that he, everybody knew, he's just like, everybody knew he's a great quarterback, but you get, you get around him in the pocket and he flips out and can't handle it. So. They blacks out like the Baker Mayfield blackout. You just, they just don't know what to do. I mean, I would, I'd, I'd collapse on the ground in a ball. Yeah. No but <laughs> yeah. If you got I a guy play, like I don't play this, Curry. I don't play this game professionally. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, my game ball, Sam Laporta. Uh, this dude is a good tight end from what I hear. Uh, nine catches, 140 yards, and a touchdown. Um, he's on pace to break Keith Jackson's uh, rookie tight end receptions record, uh, currently at 81. Uh, La- uh, Laporta, if he maintains this pace, he should grab around 90. So I'm, I'm, my fingers crossed he can get to that level. He looks really good out there. He's big. He can block. He can get downfield. Great hands. Um, and, man, Jared Goff likes him. He he block and well the thing uh the coach likes him too. Uh Dan Quinn and you know that's uh you know, Dan he, Campbell. Dan Campbell my bad. Quinn. Jesus Christ. Holy Seahawks retread. <laughs> um yeah, no, Dan 
<laughs> Dan Campbell likes him. And that says a lot. Cause, I mean, he traded TJ uh, Hawkinson and everybody's like, what are you doing? Like, and traded him in your own division. That's, you know, kind of like, why would you do that? And then it, Sam LaPorta is obviously better blocking and better receiving tight end as it looks right now than uh, Hawkinson. So, so Detroit him. plays the Vikings twice in the remaining games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if Hawkinson at one of those points comes back to haunt them and either yeah. takes them out of the, you know, the, the number one seed in the NFC North or, you know, puts them in a, like where they're out of the playoffs or something like that. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, the Vikings and the Packers like go. You know, it's it'd be an interesting to kind of see that collapse or something like that. So it'll be some good drama moving forward. Yeah, for sure. All right. Anything on the anything else on this game? Um, I just had you know, Amon Ross St. Brown got in the end zone again. I really like that kid. Um, glad he's having so much success in the NFL. So. Did we get Jared Goof or Jared Goff this game? Um, well, he only threw for 213 yards and two touchdowns. Um, but I mean, they got, yeah, they got, they ended up winning the game at the end. So it's, I guess that's all that really. Matters. We'll give it a goof. We'll give it a Goff then, right? I guess a Goff. All right, good job by you, Goff. All right, let's go to Atlanta at the New York Jets. Uh, this is another kind of baseball score this week. Atlanta beat the uh, the Jets 13-8. Uh, to eight. Atlanta's at the top of the NFC South, uh, about a game ahead of, uh, I believe, Tampa Bay. So um, they are in the driver's seat of the, a- the, the pitiful AFC South. Um, so this is another one. Uh, there's my... Here's the entirety of what I put. This was another terrible game. New York Jets safety, Atlanta touchdown pass from Ritter to Michael Pruitt, Michael Pruitt, Michael Pruitt. I don't know how you pronounce it. And a bunch of field goals. Atlanta wins 13 to eight. <laughs> Just like at the newspaper. Don't care. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm actually going to spotlight the New York Jets defense. They had three sacks for 17 yards, eight quarterback hits and held Atlanta under 200 yards of total offense and uh, 29% efficiency on third and fourth down. So that's not a bad day. Um, they only allowed 13 points, obviously. Um, just that offense is so terrible. Um, I'm going to give my game ball to the Atlanta running game. Um you know, I, I just felt like we have to come up with more nicknames. Not everyone can be lightning and uh, thunder and lightning. So I was, I'm gonna, I kind of brainstormed a few. Tell me if you if you like them. Ball and chain. No. Uh, uh, hammer, one. hammer and nail. Hammer and nail. All right. All right. Bull and the dozer. I think. Uh, what was the first one again? Is that is that all of them? Yeah, I just I just had well uh, in addition to thunder and lightning, I had a four total kind of listed here. Just a quick brainstorm. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> I think we can come up with something better. I like but them all, they... but yeah, we we'll keep working on it. All right, cool. All right, Atlanta running game, thirty-one rushes for ninety yards. Uh, I think we can move on to the next uh, game after that one. <clears throat> Arizona at Pittsburgh. Uh, this game was delayed twice due to inclement weather. Um, they extended the halftime about thirty minutes. Uh, then another hour plus delay in the second half. <clears throat> there was a wind slash rain slash hailstorm that was circulating the stadium um, in Pittsburgh throughout the day. Um, 
Now, apparently, Pittsburgh, during this time, takes the opportunity to keep the players loose, quote unquote, and work on adjustments to try and kind of come back. They were uh, down at halftime, uh, I think 17 to 10. Well, that didn't work. They allowed another touchdown, lost 24 to 10. Word on the street, Arizona just had a dance off. So I thought that was kind of like, what what do you choose? Do you overanalyze what's happening? Or do you just like, hey, guys, stay loose and fun, and we'll figure it out when we get back out there, you know? Right. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I had the same kind of note about the weather delays, which is pretty crazy. They had kept having to kind of, you know, you, they'd go back on the red zone to uh, to Pittsburgh, and, like, the stadium would look empty. Like, what the hell? Everybody, like, was hiding yeah. out in the, in the tunnels or whatever. <laughs> in the hallways, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, Kenny Pickett leaving the game um, – not that he's a, not that he's like a big difference maker in that offense anyway, but he is oh when your backup's Trubisky. Yeah, boy oh boy, did Mitch Trubisky look bad. Um, couldn't get anything going with them whatsoever until uh, you know he connected with Deontay Johnson in uh, the fourth quarter. Um, Kyler Murray. He did have a. He had 111 yards and a touchdown, yeah. but he just he it's he just doesn't long. no it's consistency. Long, it's just. Yeah, it's not not entertaining. It's yeah, warm milk. I'm gonna give my game ball to James Conner. Uh, oh, absolutely. He was playing. He was playing against the team that drafted him, Pittsburgh. Uh, he goes for 105 yards and two TDs. Definitely looked motivated, and and he was out there. He was tough. He looked tough. Tough runs um, to get 105 yards on this Pittsburgh defense, regardless of rain delays or not. Um, that's that's pretty impressive. So uh, yeah, he gets my game ball today. You know, I think Arizona is a real scrappy team. That that Pittsburgh defense isn't bad, man. They're they're a really they're they're a top probably five defense in the NFL, and and you know they be able to go in there and, and win that game. And that it, defense still held them under three hundred yards, even yeah. though it's like twenty four to you know twenty four to ten. Yeah, Kyler Murray only threw for one forty five and didn't have a great completion percentage, but. Um, One of the things we talked about with the Pittsburgh defense was causing turnovers. So I think if they don't cause turnovers, it's really difficult for that offense to um, to win the game, obviously. So in this case, when you don't turn the ball over, you don't steal possessions from a team to give your offense an opportunity to get a field goal up or something like that. So none of those today, no fumbles, no interceptions um, by the Cardinals. So I think that really, they need to they need to cause turnovers because they're just not good enough on the offensive side of the ball to, to do it. Right. All righty. Miami at Washington. Game covered in hard knocks this week. Um, this game was pretty much over in the first half. Uh, Miami was up 31 to 7 by halftime. You know, we we talked about this before that the you know, there's a there's a formula um to beat the Miami beat Miami and their offense coincidentally and that's to get to Tua you have to take away his first read and you have to create pressure up the middle have him move things like that um, and then you can beat them they just that was not happening in this game they had no real pass rush they have no speed in the secondary Tariq Tyreek was just destroying them they were in man coverage on this dude and he just destroyed them um, so I'm not sure what what Washington was doing out there on defense no, you know, it, it was, yeah, it was tough, man. And, and the, obviously like, I don't feel like the Miami defense is like elite to the point that they should be shutting 
down uh, Sam Howell and that Washington offense uh, to the point that they did, you know, it was, uh, yeah, like you had mentioned, Miami gets out to a huge, huge lead, um, scoring 31 points in the first half. Uh, De- Devon, or I can't get this guy's name right, Devon A-Chan? A-Chan? It's A-Chan. A-Chan. Okay. It's a pronunciation, A-Chan. Happy to see him back doing well. Um, I, You know, everybody wants to call Miami like such a finesse team and a soft team or whatever. You know, I don't know how. Including me. Yeah, but I mean, God damn, man, how are you going to stop Tyreek Hill? And if this if this uh, A Chan is uh, as good as he's been playing, like, good lord, man. Plus, you got Mostert in that backfield. It's tough. I think here's here's the thing I worry about. You put them up against San Francisco, who has a tough secondary and a very very good pass rush. Yeah. And if even at even if you're throwing. Uh, in less than two and a half seconds, there's still opportunity to get to two and get him off his first read, get him off his platform. And they roll coverage um, and play play zone and do all the things that they need to do. And they can game plan against players like that. I'm saying they can probably beat like 75% of the teams, 80% of the teams in the league mm-hmm. at uh, any point because of that speed. But as it starts to get cold, as it start starts, you start playing these really good teams. You start playing teams that have something to fight for towards the end of the season. They have a tough schedule coming up, and they and if they on this losing streak, they talked about it in Hard Knocks. They were eight and three last year at this time in December and lost four in a row. So they won they won their first one in December this year. So it's a different year, and I understand that, but. Like I said last week, it's really tough for me to look at a team going into the playoffs with a losing streak and expecting them to turn that around and become a champion. It's tough. That is, that is. I think home field advantage is a necessity for Miami. Um, really good point. Really good point. Got to keep that weather nice. Um, you know, Sam Howell, you know, he only throws for 123 yards and does throw a pick six but runs in two touchdowns, which is weird because he's not, I don't think he's really known as a, as a super mobile guy. Um, but Terry McLaurin uh, had zero catches for only the second time in his career. I think I, I think you were, you might actually stop by when I saw a tweet saying Terry McLaurin, that somebody asked Terry McLaurin about it and he was just like, yeah, I got my cardio. In. Oh, the cardio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually yeah, put I that in my cardio. notes because it was such a funny anecdote. So, I have the Miami defense as my spotlight. Um, to your point, they had a really good job um, shutting down kind of Sam Howell. Three sacks, nine quarterback hits in this game. He was under pressure all day. Held Washington as a team on, uh, to under 300 yards. Forced a turnover. Um, and and your anecdote about the cardio. A little bit of uh, uh, dissension there uh, by the Washington wide receivers uh, sitting in that, that offense. So, um those are the types of things as a defense you want to see. I'm just like the other team complaining, whatever they do, it doesn't work. Um, I just felt it was a really good team win overall. Yeah. Yep. I'm can, you, can you guess my, guess my game ball? It's gotta be the H-man or Tyreek Hill. It's Tyreek Hill. 157, two DDs. Um, uh, the, the Washington, like I mentioned earlier, Washington secondary could not handle his speed. No. Just couldn't. Just couldn't. He, yeah. 
Dead right. on arrival. Being, I haven't watched the new episode of the Hard Knocks end season yet, but it like I I love like I'm really I I always thought Tyreek Hill was kind of a knucklehead and like um, I think he might have gotten in some trouble like in college with a domestic thing or something and that's why he ended up at Central Michigan or wherever it was. But um, yeah, he's really like seems like a, a such a good good person too. Like he's like really changed like I think we talked a little bit about it on the last episode so I like to see stuff like that so good for him well I I had the hard knock episode on my uh my diversity section this week do you want me to skip that (laughs) (laughs) or okay cool all right Denver at Houston is the next game uh Denver's uh five game winning streak comes to an end this week along with uh, Russell Wilson's five game streak not throwing an interception um he gave it to houston three times in this game wasn't really a good performance uh by hustle and bustle yeah i had the mighty denver broncos defense can't come up with any turnovers in this game uh houston gets out to an early 16 to 3 lead or sorry gets out to a 16 to 3 lead early in the third quarter uh for Den- denver finally gets in the end zone another russell wilson to Cortland sutton touchdown Cortland sutton's kind of turning into a a heck of a receiver over the last couple of years. He does fumble a lot, but um, he's he's pushing up the numbers. Um, But yeah. It's weird. He doesn't have a lot of drops, but he has a lot of fumbles. Yeah, that's so, so weird, right? Um, Um, Sorry, I was going to say, then uh, in the fourth quarter, C.J. Stroud uh, finds my favorite rookie wide receiver, Nico Collins, for a touchdown to put him up 22 to 10 after a failed two-point conversion. And then, you know, Russell Wilson want- always keeps his team in these games at the end, right? Like, he always – that's the one thing about Russell Wilson. He's going to have you somewhat in the game because um, he then he ran in a touchdown but ends up throwing a touchdown in the end zone down by five with uh, nine seconds to go. An interception in the, catch- in the end zone. Sorry, yeah, my bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Well, if you threw a touchdown in the end, yeah, in right. the end zone, it would have been over. <laughs> they were right there. There's no question. But we talked about this like the last throughout this winning streak. Their their turnovers. They had like 15 or 16 turnovers during that period of time. They were taking the ball from everyone, and they weren't turning it over. We knew that 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 kind of had to stop. Everything kind of works itself back into the mean, into the middle a little bit, and they just had a really really good string of causing turnovers and, and not giving the ball up and and when that goes the other way this is what we see we see a we see a close loss and a mistake by um russell wilson to kind of cost them the game so uh yeah i think this is more denver than what we saw in the five game winning streak um i think they should you know obviously you don't want to i the tanking whole thing is is interesting in the nfl but um, I'm not sure what value uh, that they have right now. Let me see where they're at from a from a playoff standpoint. They are still in the hunt, I guess. They're the ninth position uh, right behind Houston, who is an eight, and then Indianapolis in, is the seventh seat in the playoffs at the moment. So there's an opportunity for them to get into the playoffs, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, man, um, I, was, I was impressed with C.J. Stroud in this game. Throws for 246 yards, 191 of them go to Nico Collins, Mike. 
and the uh and the only touchdown he bonkers that's just crazy right and then i think we can't uh we can't skip um talking about the the terrible injury to tank dell uh yeah he's such a little guy man and for some reason i don't even i still don't comprehend what happens he ended up like basically in the hole it seemed like of the running so it looks like he was blocking down and he caught some friendly fire from uh damian pierce as he basically hit that uh the line at full speed to try to get into the end zone and it looked like his left leg got caught under uh a falling body in that scenario it happened so fast i'm not again to your point not sure why he was in the the ruckus there um he's not the biggest dude in the world so um i think that's going to be a huge loss we talked earlier uh uh this season on the podcast about how important tank has been um for cj stroud i think at the time that we looked they had seven touchdowns um he had seven touchdowns uh, catching touchdowns and just was an, an amazing deep threat for that team really stretched the field uh, for their offense. So um, I think um, they're my spotlight. Houston is kind of right now. They're the first team out of the AFC playoffs. Uh, as we mentioned before, they lose tank Dell. They have Cle- uh, Pittsburgh, Cleveland and Indiana in front of them, all very winnable games. Um, they are, you know, in control of their own destiny at this point. So that's good. Um, they are at New York Jets at Tennessee. Then they play Cleveland, Tennessee at home and finally finish the regular season with that Indiana. Uh, perhaps that'll be the game for that final playoff spot. So they, they are all winnable games, I think. Um, there's some great defenses in there. And I think they're really going to miss Tank Dell uh, in those games. We'll see how, how they can do it. Yeah. I, I wanted to give the game ball to uh, the Houston defense. I know C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud, everyone knows that. They had three sacks, uh, eight quarterback hits. They held Denver to 20% in third and fourth down conversions, which I, is an important stat to me. Getting teams off the field is, is a very important uh, piece of uh, playing defense. Uh, they also held them under 300 yards and uh, caused those uh, three turnovers that we had mentioned before. Yeah. Um, and Stingley, Stingley got two of those interceptions. Yeah. So he he's playing out, out of his mind right now after coming back um, from injury. So Real quick, um, man, did we talk about the John Madden, Derek Stingley connection? Uh, I watched it. I watched something. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you get into it? Um, maybe I'll talk about that in the diversity section. All right. Well, we'll uh, put a pin in it. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Do you have anything else for this game? No. All right. Carolina at Tampa Bay. Congratulations, Carolina. You are officially the first team to be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs in the 2023 season. Um, Good job by you, David Tepper. Good luck to all of your future football endeavors. Um, Not not it looks ugly out there for them. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Um, uh, it, I said, so my note is, is Carolina improving? Uh, they do keep this one close. Had the ball back with a minute 17 or playing a bad team. I don't know if they're improving. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying, it's just a question. I'm just sure. wondering, hoping they're getting better. Um, so they, they get the ball back with a minute 17 to go down by three, but uh, I don't mean Young, to imply you're an idiot for asking the question. Bryce Sorry. Young, no, you're good. Bryce Young quickly uh, throws an interception to seal the game for Tampa. Um, God, man, yeah, Bryce Young doesn't even 
neither of these quarterbacks complete 50% of their passes. Like it's just, this was another shit show game uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, Chuba Hubbard was probably the, the, I'm sure he's either getting your game ball or uh, maybe your spotlight possibly. Yeah, I got the, to that point, I got um, uh, running the football just in general. I uh, called out Chuba for getting 104 yards, two touchdowns. And then um, as a team, Tampa Bay ran for 130 yards and two touchdowns, which is unusual for them. You know, running uh, running the football for Tampa has been kind of like, uh, not sure. I know who who got your game ball. You do? Yeah. I'm sure you do. Yeah. Gotta be. He does it again. 162 yards receiving and a touchdown. This dude is a beast. And good luck to him in his next contract. Yeah, we might have we might have to have some discussion about like where we, where we sit down and think about what would be the best landing spot for him and in his skill set. Yeah. I want him to kind of be able to succeed. So let's try to, how about the chargers? Hmm. I would love him with, um, with Herbert. uh, Yeah. And Keenan Allen and that would look. Well, Keenan Allen, you got that possession receiver. You got him going straight down the sideline. You got, I mean, you can get that kid from PTU out of there because I don't know what he's doing on the field. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Mike, Mike Williams still able, doesn't have a lot of separation, but just such a big dude and 50 50, it's really like 90 10 with him. So, um, um yeah. and I was going to say, man, that, um, that this was his 10th straight year going over a thousand yards. Uh, it's impressive. Which is it's impressive. Second, maybe, or I, can't remember what where he falls in line with that, but it's a very exclusive company. And uh, of the 202 yards Baker Mayfield had passing, all but 40 of them go to uh, Mike Evans, which is pretty crazy. So let's let's dig a little deeper into Mike Evans, right? There's a logjam for like 80s, well, more like 90s and 2000 receivers that aren't in the Hall of Fame quite yet. Just because of the way football was played, it was heavily valued at the running back position. So you get all the ton of running backs in there, but almost no receivers. That's obviously going to switch here. And a guy that's gone over 10,000 yards in 10 seasons or whatever it is, um, to me, that's, that's quite a stat. And he probably deserves to get a, a, a yellow jacket at some or gold jacket, whatever it is, at some point. So um, I have to imagine he's got the ring, he's got, you know, he's got the stats. I, don't think you can probably keep him out. Uh, yeah, I think he's probably first ballot Hall of Famer when he's done. All right, I want to discuss a little bit Tampa's Tampa Bay's future. I think it's pretty dire. Uh, offensive line lost their all-pro center to a career-ending knee injury. Defensive uh, former uh, star players are old. Um, really no running game. Uh, most likely losing the aforementioned uh, Mike Evans. Uh, at the end of the season to free agency, not a lot of depth in the skill position. So that loss is very impactful to them. Not a lot of depth at running back, not a lot of depth at tight end, um, lack of consistent quarterback play, questionable coaching, especially on the offensive side. Um, you can't have your offense be just throw it deep to Mike Evans every game. So I'm a, I am, I am bearish on Tampa Bay's future. And if I had, I, I would be shorting them um, for sure. What What's your take? Agree, man. There's, they have a lot of holes and like Mike Evans is going to be gone next year. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's dire. <laughs> dire. It's dire for sure. 
good good luck, Tampa. Couldn't happen to a better town or whatever state. All right. Uh, anything else to add here? No, that's it. Um, yeah, Tampa. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay hires Florida man to be their next football coach. Tampa, Tampa Bay, the uh, stripper capital of the world. <laughs> oh dear. All right, Cleveland at Rams. Um, Joe Flacco is the best quarterback on Cleveland's roster. Full stop. Um, his his two hundred and fifty four yards passing was the second highest passing. Uh, passing yard total uh, by a Cleveland quarterback since week three when Deshaun Watson uh, went for 289 against Tennessee. So that's the highest. And then Joe Flacco off the couch two weeks ago uh, threw for 254 uh, on Sunday. So that's how bad that quarterback situation is. And man, that list of quarterbacks starting since like 2000 has just grown and grown and grown for this team. They, they started four separate quarterbacks this year four it is a dire situation there as well i'm using dire a lot and i don't know why can't think of any other adjectives to describe it but it's really without just cussing up a storm so i'm trying to keep this cool uh, <laughs> so yeah, what, you know, the, I, this was a surprisingly good game uh, especially from old man joe flacco taking over at quarterback uh he held his own mike i was shocked man um Final score is a little bit misleading to me with uh, just under nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Cleveland gets it uh, with gets it within one point at 20 to 19 before the Rams just kind of blew it open there at the end. But um, yeah, I mean, I was impressed with Joe Flacco, bro. He had 254 yards passing, uh, two touchdowns and an interception. Um, you know, can't I really ask for much more than that? The guy coming off the street at, 45 years old or I don't know, he's not that old but he did get amari cooper decapitated so i'm not that's, sure that's, what's going to happen there that's probably their best receiver oh, i mean he's clearly their best receiver elijah and one Moore's of their best good. playmakers elijah moore's pretty good he's good for sure but i mean cooper. the precise routes that omari the hands that omari has i mean yeah. like we talked about he's quietly one of the the most consistent receivers in the league no one talks about this kid and he is really good all right my spotlight here is just to kind of look at the la rams uh for a bit they're currently the first team out in the nfc playoffs at the eight seed um green bay ejected seattle uh, kind of slid in there with their win against kc we'll talk about that a little bit later um you know they're it'll be close but i think they need to win four of their last five to make it um, they're at, at Baltimore next, then they're home versus Washington and New Orleans, and then at the Giants to finish their regular season at San Francisco. Um, those three, um, those middle three, the Washington, New Orleans, and, and at Giants is more than doable. Then they just have to find a way to beat one of these other top teams, whether it be Baltimore or San Francisco. Now, San Francisco may not have anything to play. Uh, at the end of that season. So that could be something that they could, you know, perhaps steal a win there and, and get that up, you know, get into that uh, four game mark, get them at 10 and seven. Um, but this is going to be a, an exciting race to watch this NFC West and uh, these Rams in their playoff situation. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, yeah. It's going to be definitely going to be interesting to see how it all, it all plays out, you know what I mean? 
All right, let's wrap this game up with my uh, game ball. I got Matt Stafford, uh, 60% on 37 attempts, uh, 279 passing yards, three touchdown. Everyone ate in this game. Puka had 139 uh, all-purpose yards and a receiving touchdown. Demarcus Robinson even got in on there with 55 yards and a TD. And then Cooper Cup, as always, uh, had a touchdown along with 39 yards. So every he really did a good job distributing the ball um, to, to all his uh, – his weapons. So good job by uh, Matt Stafford on that game. Anything else regarding Cleveland in this, in this Rams game? No, sir. Let's go. All right. Let's wrap up these last three here. We have perhaps the, the most anticipated game of, of this week of football, San Francisco at Philly. Um, we've talked about this all year. Philly is weak in the middle of their defense. We know it. They know it. They have in part designed their defense like this. They have focused on the pass rush and they have focused on, on the secondary, on the outside coverage. Um, the first quarter of this game, everything was going as planned for Philadelphia. The defense held San Francisco to minus six yards in the first quarter. That's, that's bonkers. And then San Francisco rattles off 42 points. Um, it seemed like this, the San Francisco offensive line figured out how to slow down that Philly pass rush. And man, Purdy started attacking the middle of that field. Everything was across the middle. Um, that's it's like we talked about that beating the Dallas defense for the same reason, weak in the middle. And Philly didn't have the antidote either. Um, once they could get that ball out fast, you know, and get it, get this attack the weakness of that Philly defense, it was over. Yeah, it was like. You know, so the Eagles score the first six points of the game and then get outscored 42 to 13. And it was like something just a, a switch flipped in that that San Francisco offense. And it was just on like hitting, hitting Debo Samuel for a five yard pass that turns into a 40 yard pass, uh, giving it to Christian McCaffrey, just ripping off chunks of yardage. Uh, it was it was a it was a clinic. I mean, it was shocking how I just how dominant San Francisco became in that basically second through fourth quarters. Yeah. So we talk about this all the time. You can't trade touchdowns for field goals, especially in these good games. So two drives, two scores, but they're field goals. Right. One opportunity out of that first quarter, minus six yards, boom. They come into the second quarter, touchdown. They're already ahead. So even when they had such good that first quarter, they weren't able to capitalize on it. They weren't able to get that cushion going. Um, that's might be something to look at well, um, me, as thinking, we move forward. To me, I'm thinking, okay, it's just going to be a defensive battle between these two teams because two great defenses. But man, oh man, is that San Francisco offense potent? So I I do want to I do want to shine a little bit of a spotlight on this before we start panicking. Um, about the Philadelphia Eagles. They did play three games in 13 days and not just easy games. They played at Kansas City in basically a Super Bowl rematch. They won that. They go home and have an OT overtime barn burner versus uh, Buffalo. The defensive players were exhausted chasing around uh, Josh Allen. They won that game. Um, they have to, they've, this streak or this three game streak here was brutal. 
And, you know, maybe they didn't show everything. Maybe they're, they're just exhausted from playing, you know, that many games in such a short period of time. I, mean, I don't think we're given, we're, we're really putting a lot of, uh, we're looking at that enough, right? I would be exhausted. I mean, I'm exhausted just <laughs> being on a computer all day. But I mean, oh, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I thought this game, man, was just crazy with, uh, with the offensive numbers that San Francisco put. Brock Purdy, 314 yards, four touchdowns. McCaffrey has a touchdown run. 70% on 27 attempts. All right, yeah. who's your next one? Debo runs in a touchdown and catches two touchdowns, 138 all-purpose yards. Yep. Um, and, you know, Jalen Hurts wasn't bad. He, he did throw for 298 and a touchdown. Uh, and another 20 yards on the ground and the second touchdown. But I think that's a big problem because he led the team in rushing with only 20 yards. Uh, they got – I mean, I thought they're – yeah, I don't know. I, I just can't. I, I mean, I guess that San Francisco defensive front is just so impressive. That, 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 or the front seven there in San Francisco just shut that running game down. So I think Philadelphia's superpower over the last two years is the ability to pivot and have somebody else take over the game, whether that's Jalen Hurts. I mean, I don't know, gets like four touchdowns four rushing touchdowns on 20 yards. I think because points are really what matter here or AJ Brown steps up or you have a big day um, from, from uh, Devonte Smith, these guys step up or, or Swift for that matter. And these guys just have stepped up time and time again. And that just didn't happen in this game. There was no one that really kind of stepped up and took it over to kind of tip the field a little bit. And again, I'm going to chalk it up right now as exhaustion. It's a lot of football to play in such a short period of time. Uh, these games are brutal. The teams that they played are really good. And they they went two and three through that period of time. And um, I think it's going to get a little easier. Now they have Dallas up this week, Philly. And that's not going to be an easy game. They're in, at Dallas. But they're going to have a week's rest. Um, hopefully, you know, they'll be prepared. They got Shaq Leonard. Um Hopefully he can get in there and, and, and help them with stuff. So a um, couple of acquisitions there midseason uh, might help him out. Um, I had all of those people from my game ball listed. I was going to have you pick. I would throw CMC in there as well. 133 all purpose in a Russian touchdown. If, if Who would get your game ball out of those three? Purdy, Debo, and CMC. I thought Debo Samuel just looked electric out there, man. I think yep. it would be my, my game ball recipient. But all right, we'll give it to him. I'm in total agreement. He looked, all, he flashed amazing. Yeah, I mean, those three are all deserving, but I, I think Debo would probably be the guy. All right, awesome. All right, let's look at this Casey at uh, Green Bay game, Sunday night football. Here comes Green Bay. Uh, after this week, uh, they bumped Seattle out, as I mentioned earlier, and now they're in the seventh seed. They're in the playoff right now. They have a really easy schedule to finish out the season. They're at the New York Giants home against Tampa Bay at Carolina at Minnesota, and then home against Chicago. Um, man, where are they right now? I think they're six and six. Pretty sure. Yeah. Six and six. I mean, they have an opportunity to win every single one of those uh, remaining five games. Um, that would be pretty 
interesting for them to go 11 and six and kind of figure out where everything kind of pans out in that NFC North and in the playoff situation, because they could be coming in. I don't think they, I don't think they get over Dallas maybe in the, in the final spot. I I predict Philly's still going to win the, the East um, and probably Detroit, unless they just, the wheels fall off that, that, that whole thing. They do play Minnesota twice. Um, they only need kind of two wins to get to that number. Um, so I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but they're in really good position to make the playoffs, maybe even win the division. Yeah. I mean, uh, something's really clicking. It feels like with Jordan love, um, I, I going into this game, I, I just automatically, I feel like anytime Kansas city's playing, I'm just assuming they're going to win because they're, they've been so dominant the last three or four years. Um, but yeah, we have to be careful with that notion, right? We have to be careful about what the past, the past can give you some information about potential future results, but we have to really kind of look, what are you right now? I have as my spotlight, Casey is getting hard to predict. Um, they had some injuries on defensive side of the ball. Nick Bolton's been out on IR. Drew, Drew Tranquil went down uh, with a concussion. Uh, safety, Brian Cook with an ankle. Um, we never are sure which wide receivers are going to drop an important pass or run the wrong route. Um, this might be blasphemous, but it seems like Travis Kelly, Kelsey peaked last year and is perhaps on the downside of his career. Um, I don't know if it's just the way defenses are playing him right now. They uh, were like Green Bay just bracketed, bracketed him, like wouldn't let and Philly did that same thing. You can try to send it to MVS downfield, but you're not getting it to Kelsey. So maybe that's part of it. But um, these guys kind of got to step up and, and help out Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, they. Uh, I think you know, Rasheed. I had noted down here. I don't think he had a whole. I didn't for some reason. I didn't mark down how many receiving yards he had. But uh, Rasheed Rice um, had eight receptions on the day, and I think that's. A, I think that. Mahomes is getting more comfortable with him. He seems like he's, um, you know, running crisp routes and, and getting open for him. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how kind of that relationship plays out the rest of the season, because I mean, that's been the knock on Kansas city since Tyreek Hill left is who's other, you know, outside of Travis Kelsey, who's that guy. And uh, maybe Rasheed Rice is, is, is the one. Yeah, and I think to your point, that's the expectation of you know of of fans and people who follow football that he's the one that should be stepping up into that into that fill that void. Um, just to have one other player other than Travis Kelsey to scare a football team from time to time uh, is all you need in this offense. They have a really good defense this year. Um, sands the injuries that we discussed earlier. And I think they have a really good opportunity to go deep in the playoffs because you have a good defense. You have Patrick Mahomes. You just need one person, one receiver to step up and take that pressure off Kelsey. And you need a solid running game. And I think they can do it. And I'm, to your point, I hope it's Rice who's able to, to get that figured out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want right. to shout out uh, Jordan, just that that Green Bay offense and what they were able to do. Um, yeah. Jordan Love throwing for 70% of his passes and 267 yards and three touchdowns. They had a, He's got a, my game ball. Yeah, I, I was figuring. They had, it just was a balanced attack, though. A.J. Dillon goes for 73 yards. Romeo Dobbs catches four for 72. 
Christian Watson has his his best game as a pro, catching seven for seventy one and two touchdowns. So, uh, but I think he leave, he left with an injury though too at the end of the game there. So, um, you know, hopefully he's all right and he's able to bounce back because it's nice to see those two guys get going a little bit as well. All right. So yeah, who decent your... game, decent game. Yeah. Who yeah. is who got my game ball? Yeah, well, you said, uh, yeah, anyway, Jordan Love had your game ball. Did you, and your spotlight was? Uh, Casey's uh, getting hard to predict yeah, was yeah. kind of the, the, the note I wanted to spotlight here. Sorry, yeah, I'm, my notes sorry, are, my notes are spent on this game. Sorry, let's talk about this Monday night, let's talk about this Monday night football game. Uh, quite, uh, it was quite crazy game. Uh, Cincinnati at Jacksonville. Um, this was a way better game than I thought it was going to be. Had a lot of twists and turns. You had a Cincinnati was starting a backup quarterback. Um, had a significant player going down with an injury. Bunch of missed field goals. Rookies scoring their first TD. Long drives um, to, to kick a field goal um, to take the game to overtime. Uh, full overtime period ending in a game-winning 54-yard field goal. Just a lot of, like, tension in the air. Um, it was pretty crazy. It it was it, it was it may, might have been one of the more I mean it's got to be a top two or three exciting primetime game this year just taking everything else aside for who gets hurt and who's in and out of the game and, and I feel like Jacksonville probably wins the game if Trevor Lawrence doesn't go down but I mean Cincinnati's defense was playing well enough and I mean Jake Browning man like this was like this guy has only started one game in his NFL career prior to this. That was last week. Uh, you know, and he's just, he's gotten better. I mean, obviously he came in in relief of uh, Burrow, I think against the Ravens. Um, didn't look great. Then they got him ready all week. Last he threw week. a touchdown. He was okay. He was okay. Last week he was, he was all right last week. I think I almost texted you last week, man, this kid's he's like, he, he doesn't miss a lot of passes. He's really accurate. He was, you know, this game, I think he started out eight for eight, but they're like, oh, it's just little dink and dunks and five yards, six yards here and there. Um, but yeah, he, last week he did just enough, got, um, or, you know, he, he played well. He I think they lost last week, but anyway, he, uh, he played well. And I was about to text you last week and then he threw a pick six and I was like, God damn. Can't, can't so J- Jake and Bate gets my game ball this week. Eighty-six com- uh, percent completion, thirty on thirty-seven passes. So it wasn't two of thirty-seven, Mike. He was thirty. All right. So, he, so let me let me break this down. Three hundred and fifty-four yards passing TD and a rushing TD. I will say this: it was a pretty safe game plan. He only had one pass over twenty yards, and that was the TD to Jamar Chase. Um, everything was less than 20 yards. My guess is opposing uh, defensive coordinators are going to jump on the, that fact, uh, and then games are going to get a lot more difficult for him. I wouldn't expect any uh, of the where did Jake Browning come from talk uh, as we move forward. They kept it real simple. It was short patterns, easy throws, n- no real challenges downfield. Um, there's a whole bunch of really good defensive coordinators that know how to muck up the middle of the field to, to prevent that. But in this moment, it was a great moment for Jake Browning. So he did yeah. get my game ball. Yeah. I was happy to see it. Um, obviously being a Washington Huskies fan, uh, it was just fun. But Joe, Joe Mixon also, man, uh, punches in two touchdowns and, uh, 
you know, catches six balls for almost 50, uh, 49 yards and, and also had 68 yards rushing. So good little game for, you know, it's pretty, Go ahead. it's pretty fitting that the, the team that bought, that brought us the West coast offense, the Cincinnati Bengals basically mastered it in this game. So I just, it just kind of occurred to me that, that fact. So that's, that's interesting. That is. Um, and then also uh, Tyler Boyd, had an interception on possibly the worst wide receiver throwback throwback pass I've ever <laughs> seen in my I was like Josh Allen I saw like, I saw it opening give me up that. Right, and I'm just like <laughs> he threw the ball and I'm like is he trying to throw it back to Brown like no he just threw it in the middle of the field and it got I think I started texting you before Josh Brown ran it into the end zone like I saw the saw the interception I'm like what and I start typing I pick up the phone I'm like what the hell just happened and then <laughs> The pick six. It's crazy. Terrible. Terrible Unfortunately, they weren't able to actually, you know, Cincinnati comes back. So they overcame that. Um, I just look this. I'm going to talk about the spotlight. And that's the Trevor Lawrence injury. I think at the time I, I texted you and it was like, all right, this is probably a high ankle sprain from what it looks like. And it, it appears that's what it is. Um, as we know, and I'm not saying he should be Mahomes. Mahomes had a high ankle sprain last year and got all the way through the playoffs. In fact, he got a high ankle sprain playing this same Jacksonville Jaguars team. Um, so that's pretty funny and interesting. But he just went on a tear in, I think, the final two games of the playoffs in the Super Bowl um, with that ankle injury and kind of won it. So I'm going to say Trevor Lawrence is a pretty resilient guy. I think he's motivated to play. He was just destroyed and frustrated when, when he got that injury. And um, I expect him to be back maybe not this week um but if there's any chance that this dude can be on the field he's gonna he's gonna be there i'd rather take you know 75 80 percent trevor lawrence than 100 percent cj bethard hey man don't be too hard on cj bethard he uh i'm not hard on him, man but just he only fumbled on that first uh play that they thankfully recovered but then uh he went what nine for ten or eight for nine after that he did well, including a pass that would have put them on the two yard line. Um, oh God! Uh, but then they had the penalty, that horrible holding call on that play. But they were they had a false start, a holding call, and it's just like they were right there in field goal range, and it just like and then had a great throw by Bethard, and then and they kind of just moved backwards. These refs, man, it's I don't know if I'm just too dialed into the the narrative. Of, of around football, but it's like a lot of people are talking about these referees and the horrible calls that they're making. And it really seems like it's affecting games in a major way. In fact, going back to the green Bay game, there's a couple of pass interference calls that should have been called. Now there's jokes that it was just MVS. He would have dropped it anyway, or the push in the end zone and all these different things. Um, but, I, and I get like end of the game, hail Mary scenario. You don't want to bail a team out on a defensive penalty, but when you egregiously push somebody to the ground, I mean, you got to call something guys. If it's just them just hand fighting and, you know, bumping in the air, whatever, don't call it. But when the guy pushes them on the ground, you got to call it. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Oh, I also wanted to just say that the mascot for the Jaguars is pretty damn elite. What he does, like when the other teams like, kicking their field goal when he stands next to the, the the field goal post, kicking the field goal or the extra point. That dude, 
that dude is hilarious. I, it's just the things he does. It's 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 pretty funny. All right, that is absolutely. That, all right, those are the games this week. Um, Rolling yeah. over. Uh, so right. did you make any bets this week, then? No, I didn't. I didn't. Let's get we'll we'll get back to it next week. We'll we'll lose you guys some money next week. Don't worry about it. Well, let's. Okay. Uh, what are we looking forward to, Mike? Um. Yeah. Let's take a quick look. I haven't actually. To, yeah. Why don't you? Why don't you tell me what you got for next week? All right. So, game of the week to me, Eagles Cowboys. Um. I know. I guess today Mike McCarthy had to have emergency appendectomy or something. So, um. Maybe oh wow! Not gonna be there. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. Who knows? Uh, Bills at Chiefs. I'm looking forward to. Um, those yep. two always seem to have great games against one another. We have two Monday night games this week. That's so weird. That is. That is. Uh, Rams and Ravens. I'm kind of interested in. I just want like I really. Yep. That Rams offense is looking great, and I want to see what uh, the Ravens defense can look like against them, and and kind of vice versa. Um. And then the fourth game I had was Seahawks 49ers. I'm not sure if it's going to be a good game. Every time I think the Seahawks are going to get blown out, though, and just lose their souls, um, they end up almost winning. So who knows, man? Maybe we win by like 30 points this week and uh, look like the look like a Super Bowl contender. But I doubt. All right. It. Yeah, I I would throw Jags Browns in there because I just want to see how. Trevor is or how the Jaguars are without him. I kind of want to see Cincinnati, Indianapolis as well. Yeah, that'd be a fun game. Mm -hmm. Now I was thinking about this, speaking of the Jaguars, we talked about in our, in our uh, rankings, I think it was last week, our power rankings that really the top four teams where we thought that, or at least I thought, I don't know if you agreed that the top four teams we had, which were San Francisco, Philly, Baltimore and Kansas City that the Super Bowl would have some combination of those four teams um and I was thinking like I would like to see some like we've seen Baltimore um we've seen Baltimore and the 49ers we've seen Philly and Kansas City what is the team that you would like outside of those four that you would like to see uh compete and win a champion, uh, Super Bowl, cha- and become Super Bowl champion. Wait, what's your me, What's your top me, team? Give me the four one more time. Outside Outside of, of Philly, KC, San Francisco, Baltimore. I would like to see Buffalo. I mean, uh, win a championship. I, I think that I think their fan base deserves. I think they have a great fan base. I think I I like Josh Allen. Um, that's. I'm not sure if I like Josh Allen. He seems like a okay dude, but I just I don't. His whole vibe, his stank face on the sideline, just, yeah. uh, just De- weird. Detroit, I would, I, I just like that, and and Miami. I, I was thinking like, Detroit would be fun. I would like to see Miami. I think win one too with uh with um. I love that. Coach. I think my number one team is the Jaguars. I, I I don't mind that either, man. I like that. I'd be rooting for them if they got in there. Anyways, that's just what I was thinking about. Like, what teams, what combinations Seattle of teams would, would I'd like to Seattle see? Seattle would be number one for me, but uh, yeah, after that, I mean, realistic. I mean, we're out, we're outside of the top yeah. ooh, sixteen at this point, right? Yep. All right. Well, we're middle of the road. 
just like half the league. All right. So you had a question this week for me. Okay. So I'm watching the PAC 12 championship game on, uh, on Friday night this past week. I hear Kirk Herbstreet um, ask Chris Fowler who he thinks of immediately when he thinks of the Washington Huskies football team. Um, Chris Fowler said, Don James, Kirk Herbstreet said, Napoleon Kaufman, which is who I immediately thought of when I heard the question. Um, mm-hmm. I want to know, so just for fun, I want to know who of the, or like, who, who do you think of first when you hear of the four NCAA BCS playoff teams? So it's Alabama Crimson Tide, Texas Longhorn. Does it have to be a, does it have to be a player? No. A former player? No. Okay. So it's Alabama, Texas, Washington, Michigan. So let's okay. Go. So 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 Washington, uh, Steve Entman. Yeah. Part of the Actually, uh, was it the ninety one national championship? Yep. I saw Steve Entman outside of Safeco Field, leaving the Seahawks victory over the Washington at the time Redskins, uh, now the Commanders. Uh, in the the first time we went to the play or the Super Bowl in oh oh eight or oh seven or whatever it was with Matt Hasselbeck at the helm just randomly my and i didn't even recognize it my brother's like hey there's steve entman and then i, I was like oh what's up and i was freezing cold i could barely yell. oh what's up i was like oh, what's <laughs> love up? it <laughs> it was great he was like what's going on guys and then my brother was like go miami hurricanes and i was just like i hope he whoops your ass but he didn't so all right so next one uh so let's go with um alabama i think for me alabama is always Nick Saban. He is the the face of that. Everyone else just kind of fades into the background. Um, and then he just churns these guys out and they become stars in the NFL. Um, but for me, that program is Nick Saban. Okay. Texas. All right. Texas, Matthew McConaughey. Doesn't even play for the team, but that dude is always on the field of those Texas Longhorns. And that's the only guy I can think of um, when I think about the, the University of Texas Longhorns. Okay, and then Michigan. Uh, I immediately think of Gerald Ford. <laughs> and the reason, because I, I remember, I don't remember when I found out he was a lineman uh, for the University of Michigan back in like the 50s or whatever. I don't, I don't remember when I learned that, but I, I can't unlearn it. I can't unforget it. So that that's the first thing I think about when I think about uh, Michigan football is a former president of the United States, Gerald Ford. Okay. You had mentioned that was the most Mike response yeah. um, to, to I that. Love it, I love it. <laughs> I absolutely do. Um, yeah. For me, Mike, it, it's funny because it's like, it seems to be all running backs Um it was Tim Biakabatuka or whatever his name was from Michigan. Oh, I don't know wow. why. I, I went Charles name. Woodson if it wasn't going to be Gerald Ford. Okay. I don't know why I always think of that guy. Like, it's just such a weird name, I think. And I was, Tim you know, I was just a kid when he was, uh, when he was coming up. Um, and like I already said, Washington is Napoleon Kaufman. Um, Are you going to say Sean Alexander for Alabama? I'm going to say Sean Alexander for Alabama. I loved – like, I was – I remember watching, I, I don't know how, I just ended up watching like 10 of Alabama's games that year that he was, his last year at Alabama. And I was just like, this is the guy I want on the Seahawks. I want him so bad on the Seahawks. And then when we got him, I was 
thrilled. But um, and he, you know, he played well. He had a good good run with the Seahawks. But uh, Ricky Williams and Ricky Williams is my Texas running back. Or Texas uh, first person that pops in my head from Texas. So it's like I know you or something. No man, I want to get some of that Heisman weed and try it out. <laughs> no, that's why he has a he has a company called Heisman. No. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. Yeah, I follow him that guy's Instagram. a card, man. There's a good 30 for 30 about him. Uh, run, Ricky, run. Uh, go check it out if you want to kind of get some insight into his vibe and everything. Oh, um, probably way. one of those examples that high anxiety guys that really got a tough time when they got into the, the nitty gritty and kind of used marijuana to settle his mind a little bit and ended up getting in some trouble with the league, getting kicked out of the league for like years at times. But, you know, nowadays – it's, it doesn't even matter. Like you can, you can smoke. They don't test, they don't test for it or anything like that now. So maybe it, just think about, he was like a decade too early, but man, that guy was good. Could have been incredible, man. He got suspended for a year twice, I think. And eventually. Yeah. Um, on a side note, they, um, this coming Saturday, uh, they're going, the Heisman trophy presentation is a Saturday. Um, after they're ha- they always have a 30 for 30 around uh, right after the, the Heisman Trophy presentation, and it's going to be I forget what the name of it is, but it's basically the 97 Heisman Trophy presentation, which was Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf, um, Charles Woodson, Randy Moss, and Charles Woodson. Yep, should be interesting. So, Randy I don't know, Moss, I don't know, Randy Moss I don't know, is, interesting. Uh, Randy Moss with his weird little uh, Oakley sunglasses on that everybody was wearing back then. Think about him at Florida State with Bobby Bowden. Who, Randy Moss? Yeah, because that's where he was supposed to go until he got in trouble um, on, like, vacation, like a holiday or something like that back in uh, Rand, West Virginia. All right, anyways, take corner. What do you got? Um, you know, there's like, uh, it was, my question for you was going to be about, uh, who's the best backup quarterback in the NFL, because Jake Browning just probably has one of the uh, top five performance from a backup quarterback ever. Uh, and then, you know, that's absolutely hilarious. Cause that was one of the questions that I was thinking about after kind of reviewing that Indianapolis game. That's right. funny. So yeah, it's uh you know I just like I, I'm I'm so happy for Jake Browning. I I doubt he's gonna be a starter anywhere for a, for a long term. But I mean the guy's already you're so play. in the bag for Huskies, man. I, I just it's bro. hilarious. Uh, this is a Seattle centered podcast, just because not not really, but because I'm on it, it's a Seattle centered podcast. So, um, yeah, I love I love uh love some huskies bro so i i'm just i'm rooting for jake browning hopefully he has a good rest of his year gets gets a little money in his pocket this uh, off season they kept talking about how he's the he had been a part of so many transactions like getting cut to the practice squad getting called up back and forth between minnesota and and then cincinnati but you know he's he's stuck it out since 2018 till now and he's got to be close to getting his pension and all that which is huge man so we talked about like having a mercenary quarterback, you know, like one of those guys, Gardner Minshew would be a perfect example of this where he just kind of like, and Dominican Sue is doing it right now. Um, like he's just, I'm going to come in three weeks left. 
five games left in the in the at the end of the season, and I'm gonna play for a contender. I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna do a one year contract, a one one season contract, and if we I'm gonna get to the Super Bowl or do whatever he does. I just thought it'd be interesting to have somebody. Okay, all these quarterbacks are out, so Gardner Minshew goes to the Jets. I'm like, hey, I'm available if you want to, if you you know if you need help. And I'm here. I know that uh, Zach Wilson guy's not working for you, so let's you know we should have a we hey, should man, have a the, conversation. The Zach attack is back this week. Yeah, that's so what I heard. We'll see. He was hedging on that, but I would be interested oh, to have like he was not hedging on nobody's. He's not going to play if they give him the option to play. I don't know. Sometimes these guys, they lose. Aaron Rodgers went off about that and said that you got to look at who's going to. Oh, so now we're, we're, we're believing Aaron Rodgers. Is that your take? I mean, I guess I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm just messing with you. All right. Yeah. I just be, it'd be interesting to have like a quarterback just come in like weak. I think Lamar Jackson should do that. But he could he could like, he could be he could the, plug into anything. But I feel like you have to have that continuity and stuff. You don't think that would nah not with him quarterback from the quarterback position though. I, th- I feel like that's the only thing that could stop it. It's it's uh, only in a scenario where it's required because your continuity had his leg snapped in half. Now you have to bring somebody else that's in. True, that's true. Okay. And you 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 get somebody that comes in that that can adapt quickly because his skill set is so crazy you know i it's just an interesting concept it probably will never happen right. um but i'm all for it um yeah we'll see <laughs> uh, i had a question um that i was asking myself and i wanted to pose it to you is christian mccaffrey the best white running back in the super bowl era I will not stand for this Peyton Hillis slander. Or Toby. Uh, Toby, uh, what was that? Toby Gerhardt. Toby Gerhardt. Did, <laughs> he, did he win the Heisman? Uh, he, no, he did not win the Heisman, he but was, he was up for it. Finalist. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I think there's no there's no doubt. I mean, it's got to be, right? How about of all time? Like Frank Gifford and all those other dude, Hall of Famers? I mean, he looks I mean, like a player that would Frank that would Gifford work in was, so many different eras. Frank Gifford was playing against my great uncle, who was a plumber, in, in the off season. And okay, I'm just I'm just I, throwing it out there. I mean, I think if you put Frank Frank Gifford, if you took Frank Gifford and put him into today's NFL, I don't think he would do anything. Yeah, probably not. I mean, we are in the middle of the CMC era at this point so i don't i didn't want to be too hyperbolic but he's really good he's really good yeah i mean if you're yeah if you're going just white running backs um i think he's gotta be he's gotta be i mean yeah i i would have to dig in a little bit deeper but i think that probably that would be the guy all right so um i was driving to the store the other day and i get in the truck turn the radio on and here is LL Cool J's Mama Said Knock You Out. And I just went, this song kind of hits. And I think a lot of people gave him shit for it because it was like his I, I Gotta Be Hard Now Because Gangster Rap's Coming kind of song. And then he did a couple of albums after that that were kind of like, eh, come on, LL. Be, and he went back to the- Be you, song. man. Yeah. 
he well, went he, back to he, phenomenon and that's kind of got back to his cool his roots but love cool J, bro Come and on. i just went man that song really i don't know the beat uh that whole thing i i, I really like that song it kind of I, I think i was 11 and i got uh, like a stacked like uh stereo um for christmas or something and it had a record player on it. I was like, oh, this is cool. And so then they got, like, my parents got me a couple of records. And one of them was LL Cool J walking with a panther. And uh, that was the greatest uh, album I ever owned. I actually need to buy that. I have an album. I have a record player again now. I need to buy that. that was awesome. A- yeah. That's just a weird observation that I had this week. <clears throat> um, we brought the tr- Trevor Tracker back last week. And he goes out and gets a high ankle sprain and i'm not sure it's a coincidence so i gotta be careful about you know wielding this power um this week the his mvp odds are back up to 30 to 1 from 20 to 1 last week and it can't be i was lucky to even find um mvp odds because some sites didn't even publish it yet like FanDuel didn't have it but Um, mike who is your MVP right now. We didn't do any of our mid-season awards either. We probably should have done that. Well, we'll take notes. We'll uh, send the notes to the producer and um, we'll get this situation. If you had to go off the top of your head, like who would you say is the MVP right now? I don't like the idea of the MVP being a quarterback. Um quarterback only award um i don't see a lot of the quarterbacks kind of rising to the top i'm not a huge fan of uh purdy as an mvp candidate um i've had my issues i've had my issues with rain dakota prescott um i don't i don't think and i don't want to live in a world where he's mvp of the nfl um my guess is probably either in my heart, let's put it that way, I want either Christian McCaffrey or Tyreek Hill to win MVP. Just this is a weirdly odd year. Uh, it is the quarterbacks are not like there quite yet. Uh, a lot of injuries to that position. I think in a weird year like this, I would like to see some weird MVP uh, victories. So yeah. give me give me CMC, give me Tyreek Hill. Man, I'll throw in Garrett. Uh, uh, Miles Garrett, just to kind of like throw a tizzy, throw the world into a tizzy. I think he's been outstanding this year. Uh, we'll see how he does with his shoulder. That's that would be a problem uh, for him winning an MVP. Yeah, I think Brock Purdy is the odds on favor right now. Um, yep, I think, I think uh, Rain might be number two, and then I think Ty, I would, I, I feel like they give it to quarterbacks. So I'm gonna probably tie my wagon to one of those two or hitch mm-hmm. my wagon to one of those two, but I think Tyreek Hill would probably be number three in my mind. Right on. All right. Anything else in uh, in Take Corner this week? No, that's it for me. All right. Let's uh, slide over to our diversity seg- segment here. Um, I took an opportunity over the course of a couple of days uh, to watch the new documentary on Amazon Prime called Bye Bye Barry. It is essentially a story of Barry Sanders, kind of where he came from, and finally answering the questions as to why he left. 
And um, I remember in the moment when he retired, um, only 10 seasons uh, in and about 1,400 yards away from beating Walter Payton's um, all-time rushing record, uh, I was devastated. And kind of watching this felt pretty emotional about that fact. Um, as ridiculous as it might sound for a 40 something year old man to be sad about somebody else's career. But at the time when I was watching it, it was very, um, poignant to me. Like I wanted him to succeed. And I went through these different stages. Like when I realized it was like, I was sad for me. And then I felt like, oh my God, I'm being selfish about this. And he has a different agenda and a, and a different belief system and all these other things. And this kind of stuff didn't matter to him. So he just did what he wanted to do. Um, and then I processed that thought a little bit. I think the real reason that I'm I, I, I'm saddened by the whole thing is because I wanted it for him, as weird as that sounds. I think he deserved to have that accolade. If nothing else in his career, you could say he had the rushing title for this period of time until obviously um, what's his name? Probably still would have got it, uh, Emmett Smith. But in that period of time, it would have been nice for him to kind of pass um, Walter Payton in that in that moment. Well, so, and I, think, and I think though when he when he retired, I think he was a couple thousand yards ahead of Barry or of uh, Emmett Smith. Um, so if he plays another, yeah, but but assuming Barry stays for one more season, I'm not sure it has a, a massive oh, yeah, impact not, on what Emmett Smith's more. career was. Right, yeah, not one more. He would have to play three or four more seasons to hold to to have. But that. yeah, yeah. So my, my my point is, he's let's say he passes in one more year, then retires. All right, cool. I got that accolade. Everyone's happy. <laughs> uh, you know, I have it. My dad's happy with me. Um, for for getting for getting past Walter and all that kind of other stuff right. and just says, all right, I'm done. I, I still, still think, still think Emmett Smith, you know, gets there right in a couple of years later in a Cardinals uniform, we, weirdly enough. To, yeah. I mean, so Mike, this is my number one diversity thing too, because, and we talked a little bit about this the other day. Uh, I had actually watched this a couple of weeks ago. I was going to put this in the diversity segment last week, but uh, we got so deep into the hard knock stuff that I decided not to, but, um, thank goodness, man. Cause I really needed some time to process this. Yeah. I mean, and the thing that it jumped out at me when you brought up like the emotion of it, I had the same feeling. Like, I mean, I almost teared up a couple times watching. I got goosebumps, like just remembering how special he was. And it, you know, it's funny. I told you this story. So, I've talked about it a couple of times on the show. I have a spinal cord injury that I suffered in 1998 when I was a senior in high school. Um, that following season, I had a tutor that was coming to the hospital to help me kind of finish up my uh, stay on track to graduate um, with the rest of my classmates. Um, Cause I got, yeah, so I got hurt in January. So, you know, was in the hospital until middle of April. Um, so only came back to school for a few weeks. So I had to make sure I was, was, uh, on pace to graduate anyway uh, my tutor was a huge san francisco 49ers fan and we decided to go and he's he has a spinal cord injury as well and is a teacher at a school up near the hospital i was rehabbing at and we decided to go halves on season tickets um 
and we were like, oh, we'll just do like a little, you know, little draft or whatever. We'll draw a name to for see who gets first pick, and then we'll just go back and forth. And he was like, I'll give you first pick of games to pick, but I want the San Francisco 49ers preseason game because he's a big 49ers fan. Like, no problem. Uh, I want the Lions game. And he's just like, oh, man. He's like, I wanted to see Barry Sanders. I'm like, yeah, me too. That's my guy. About five days later, Mike, Barry Sanders retires, and I was just devastated. It's my favorite player. I was like, could not wait to get to go watch him play um it just yeah it devastated me when he retired so now you all you get to watch was uh scott mitchell throw an interception oh man you know, it did turn out to be a good game for the seahawks i think john kitna ravaged the uh detroit lions it was a big win so at least i got to see a victory <laughs> well there you go now my next diversity item what well, were you done with with the bye bye Barry, uh, yeah, yeah, just amazing. Everybody should go watch that. It, it's incredible. Yeah, it's really good. Um, especially if you're wondering why, what his motivation was. I think they make it pretty darn clear why um, he did it, and they did it in a really cool way, where they had sent him and his sons to London, yeah. uh, and he sat there at a table with his four sons, and they asked him questions and he, he kind of responded. Uh, they were our uh, avatar, if you will. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was, I thought it was well done. Well, yeah. And I like that, you know, they asked, I think one of the sons asked him like, well, if you guys would have been like a Super Bowl contender, you're probably not retiring. And he was just like, I can't answer that. I don't know. Like maybe I would have, you know, maybe I would have stayed if we would have been that good that we're, you know, considering the, you know, the thing that the one thing I wanted to touch on is that Wayne Fonts said that Joe Montana called him when he was leaving the. Oh, yeah. And wanted to come that. and play with Barry Sanders. And the ownership and the GM were like, no, he's too old. And then uh, apparently that same offseason, Warren Moon wanted to come play for them. And they turned him down, too. I, I, my mind is blown. Like, because, like, think about Joe, Mo- Joe Montana almost went to Kansas City and won the fucking Super Bowl. I mean, he almost went to the Super Bowl at least, but that team was incredible. Well, I think the big winner here, I think the big winner here is David Tepper because he's not the only idiot out there making decisions in, in, in football. Good point, good point. All right. Um, yeah, to, to that point, Barry, when, when Wayne Fonts told him that little anecdote, it was the first time he had heard it. And you could see him processing that information. Right, I like, think for Barry, yeah, he it was a shock. He was just like, really? Yes. Really? Wait, I had a chance to what? Well, and the I fact think for that Barry, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, wanted like liked your game so much he wanted to come play with you. I mean, that must have just been humbling, you know? Yeah, I, I think for Barry, the game, obviously, he was motivated to win, and I think he liked the relationships that he had with the team that he had, and didn't appreciate how the franchise was basically just chucking these guys away like they didn't matter. Lomas Brown, Hall of Famer, uh, Spielman, all these these people that he had grown close to. Now, you, un- you know, we all understand that this the NFL and, and football is a business and these guys come and go and you can still maintain those relationships. But like when you start to gut a team that where they feel they go to the NFC championship game um, and they feel like they have an opportunity to to do that. Like, what did Michael Jordan say? I think we've earned 
the opportunity to do this until we can't do it anymore. And I don't think Barry was ever afforded that opportunity. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Uh, my last diversity thing is episode three, Hard Knocks Miami in season. Um, I call this the Van Ginkle episode. Um, I didn't know a lot about this guy. I mean, frankly, he seems kind of like. He's, That's a long haired guy. Yeah, just Wisconsin, like Christian dude or something. That's kind of what like, goes through my head. But, you know, it's always interesting to have uh, to kind of watch a story about a guy who's on the fringe of the NFL um flashes talent all these types of things and is given an opportunity when a, when another player is gets injured you know, hate to see the injury but the kind of next man up mentality uh, that the nfl has that teams kind of promote is kind of next to none in any other uh industry or company that i'm aware of um and the ability for him to kind of come up to, to step up into that spot um he had a great day on his first day back, uh, first day in there. So he had five tackles, four solo. Um, he had two quarterback hits and a pick six. And to be able to show that, demonstrate that, and and that's all it takes in the NFL. The reason that Terrell Davis became Terrell Davis is because he murdered somebody on like a kick return or punt return. And he wasn't even the starting running back at the time. But he caught the attention of the team because of his hustle and his ability. And they're like, man, we got to get this guy in the field more. So, and maybe it's not for Miami that Van, Van Ginkle gets, you know, to be a starter somewhere, but, you know, can, can parlay this experience into, into a lo longer term contract uh, with somebody else. So um, I really like how they kind of surround each they find a theme or a person that they want to follow in, in this. And it's, it's interesting to kind of see these guys kind of from a different perspective. Yeah. It was fun though. I'm, I'm going to watch it tonight. So I can't wait to check it out. Um, and I think, you know, I know I said that I was going to do the little uh, Derek Stingley, uh, John Madden thing here in the diversity section before we go, but I, I think I might, I want to take a little more time and kind of have my thoughts squared away before I'll do that next week yeah this one kind of hits home a little bit yeah I mean I and I yeah I don't want to like leave anything out I'm not sure what uh Derek's the Stingley that got injured's name was and I'd rather have his like all the names and uh, everything situated so yeah I'll, I'll it was his grandfather right right so okay sure all right well I look forward to that next week uh let's herd some goats all right, man. So the good, like I said, I'm on this podcast. So it's a, it's a Washington Seattle centric podcast because of that. And God damn it, Mike, the Washington Huskies did it. They beat Oregon again. They dominated the game. The score was a little closer than the, the numbers looked, but that the numbers were, but uh, yeah, we, they, they took it right to them. They were nine and a half point underdogs as well, just like the Seahawks, man, and just came out, got a 10-point lead, dominated the game, win the game. Don't have to sit through Saturday worrying if we're going to get in, get out. Um, but they – Wait, wait, wait. Washington was a nine-point underdog? Nine and a half point underdog. Oh, boy. 12-0, and 0, already beat this goddamn team once, and they were nine – I mean, just the disrespect was – 
unbelievable. And I think that they really lived like just thrived off of it. But anyway, get we're, we ended up the number two seed after Georgia gets upset um, by Alabama. And I called that one. You did. I know you did. Um, yeah, man, I'm I'm excited. I'm really excited, Mike. Uh, we're we're the number two seed playing the number three seed, Texas, on uh, January first in the uh, Sugar Bowl in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, which is twenty like eight hundred miles from Seattle and five hundred and eleven miles from Austin. So, seems fair. Okay, but I still think we're Very gonna good. Texas ass. So I'm. I can't wait. They're a good team. Really solid defense. Uh, I think we can – oof, they might – I don't know. We'll see. We'll just let – that's why they're, we play the games, right? Their secondary is suspect, and I think uh, Washington is going to be able to eat. But we'll see. So, I'm, I'm, I'm this week, I'm going to um, use your good because it's one of the things that was kind of rattling around in my mind. I figured you'd have it. I think you even told me you <laughs> – like when it happened, it was, was going like, to be the don't good. Don't think about it, Mike. Don't try to. Don't and try and to... I, I try so hard to find something good in the world, and I just can't do it. World and I, I don't know. Lord. I don't know because I don't. I, I stay away from like NFL stuff for the most part. Sometimes I'll throw it in there if it, if I feel like it deserves it. Um, how about this for a good? I just thought of it. There was this, um meme i guess it has side-by-side pictures of joe burrow and deshaun watson uh watching their respective games deshaun watson fully dressed up in like a like a like a booth or whatever uh uh, one of the boxes um with his glasses on all like stank faced watching um the browns game and then you got burrow conversely on the sideline in the arm sleeve looking at the um, at the surface, the blue surface uh, computers that they have and working with, with Jake on how to, you know, be better and help the team win. And I just go, I, I like Joe Burrow just because of his physical ability and, his, and how good he is at the, at the position of quarterback. But that kind of stuff warms my heart for sure. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. There you go, man. We talked it out and I found a good. I found the good in the world. Beautiful, man. All right. Excellent. Um, The bad. So my bad, Mike, is still BCS playoff related. Uh, Florida State University ends up 13-0. and And they get left out of the playoff because college football can't have a playoff without an SEC team represented. Um, Well, I'll say this. I'll say this. This is my ugly, but go ahead. Okay. Um, so I just think whatever you think about Florida State, they lost their quarterback a few weeks ago, played two really close games with their backup, and then this past week with their third-string quarterback. But let me pose you a question, Mike. If Florida or if Alabama was undefeated and had to win the SEC championship game and another game with their backup quarterback – they would be in the playoff, correct? I would assume so. Yeah. I just, I think the, the, uh, and after this year, it's there that we're not going to have to worry about this anymore because it's going to be a 12 team playoff. I'm sure people will try to argue between like the 12th, 13th, and 14th team, but nobody's going to give a damn. Um, 
yeah i mean i just i think it was it was just chicken shit we're gonna make these kids play three more games yeah that's terrible but okay play for the love of the game they're getting a lot of them are getting paid now so hopefully they i don't know i love college but they get paid they get paid this is called valuation of your time they get paid x number of dollars for something not related to football but then you start adding more games onto that that devalues your exposure because let's say i'm getting a million dollars to be exposed to 12 games or i guess in this case 14 maximum and then you go now i have to play same amount of million dollars i get exposed to 18 games like you want to call it a salary call it a salary pay them more just pay them period um it's all, it's all a money grab. More, more, more games involved. And they also, I'm going to dive more into it this week, but I'm hearing rumblings that the SEC and the Big Ten are trying to talk with the NFL about an NIL situation uh, to kind of fund their leagues and maybe that they're going to branch off from the rest of college sports to just do their own thing as like a minor league essentially for uh for the NFL, but we'll sum it. Wow, that's intriguing. More on that. That sounds. That sounds it like was, something we would. We were talking play. about that, right? No, I'm just saying. But we were talking about something like that. Just having a place of relegation and just being like, they don't have like a true. I, you know what? I don't know why the NFL would want to. It's free for them now. Like, why would you want to like invest in something and have to put money up? Uh, the owners are. True. Too stodgy for that. So I, I don't know. We'll see. All right. All right. I want to, um, since bad? you, you, you did, you, well, I'll get to my bad in a second, but I'm going to follow up with my ugly because it's FSU uh, missing the, the, the tournament. Um, I'm going to put on my conspiracy hat right now. There's a couple of things that were really fishy about this. Um, one that the, the committee was communicating with um, the people who set um, uh, point spreads uh, to kind of get an idea about what they would set a particular point spread. So, for example, if FSU gets in at um, at four, or like uh, you get who who do they would have? I'm trying to think who they would have left out. Um, so Michigan gets one. Well, they leave out Alabama. Then you go Florida State versus Michigan. In the word on the street, it was like a minus 13 and a half. And then they go, how about Alabama, you know, versus Michigan? And it's like five or something like that. I and I just like. There's only two, actually. One and a half or two. And being- well, there you go. The tic-tac-toe. <laughs> so honestly, like if they're making these judgments based on a potential good game or point spread, I mean, to me, that sounds like the worst case scenario for sport period like i don't know why we would get them involved they knew apparently the word there's there's evidence that people knew what was going to be picked hours before it was actually announced now i'm not sure street had the four helmets the helmets i saw that um and then vegas already had a line for everybody as well so um that tells Vegas dropped their line because I think uh, I think Florida State to make it into the tournament or into the BCS playoff was like negative 650 right after they won their game on Saturday 
And then in the middle yeah. of the night, it dropped like to plus 400 or something in like five minutes. So they just completely changed the lives. They must have found out, you know, I mean, like you said, they were, they must have been contacting them asking about point spreads. So. Well, here's my crazy Sasquatch take. I'm going to call it the Sasquatch take because it, it, it is so out left field. Um, I think this is all happening to FSU because they won a national championship with Jameis Winston. They, they enabled one of the worst people in the history of college sports. That we know of. Uh, well, that we know of. I mean, I think um, Lawrence Phillips is right up there too because he was kind of a POS, but I guess in the last 20 years. So Jameis accused of rape, stealing, um, sexual harassment and Ubers, all these types of things. They did nothing but like have the, the Tallahassee police interfered with investigations and, you know, threatened people that were trying to like, you, you know, <laughs> uh, get him in jail, you know, and it just arrest him. And it just was such a bad situation. And then the the day of the injury or the the day of the quarter the starting quarterback's injury, they retired his his jersey. So they retire his jersey. The the starting quarterback's leg gets obliterated. And then it's just a series of karmic events that leads them to being left out as one of the only undefeated teams in a power five uh conference to be left out of the BCS um uh tournament yeah there's my sasquatch take all right man okay well do you want to do your bad first or do you want me to do my ugly first Whichever. i'll just do my I'll, I'll just finish it up my bad uh you're of the backup quarterback 11 of the 32 teams in the nfl are are starting their ba backup quarterbacks um there's going to be a lot of variance going into the playoffs and maybe even in the playoffs your teams are not going to be 100 percent. it's going to be some ugly football out there Everyone buckle up. Um, and I and I'm not sure it's gonna get any better anytime soon. Yeah, you might be right about that. Um, all right, my ugly mic is the Jamal Adams situation. Another uh, weird are we talking about him getting obliterated by Ferguson? Or are we talking about him and the weird uh the weird tweets tweets, to the, the tweets? Oh boy. The, okay. The New York uh, reporter. So Jamal Adams gets beat by what Jake Ferguson, is that his name? On a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Pass. Yep. Just and looks terrible doing it. He then uh, a reporter from the from the New York area posts a video of it and just like captions it with says yikes. Jamal Adams goes to this reporter's uh, Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, finds a picture of his wife, zooms in on her and responds to him with the caption yikes as like trying to say his wife was ugly or something his wife's like not it's not a bad looking woman i don't know what the hell he like what the point of doing that was it's so stupid and then he just doubled down like everybody's like getting on him and he's like you know he's like tweeted back like don't start no shit won't be no shit and then it's like what do you but everybody like every seattle i heard seattle media people just like this guy is not a good player anymore like why are we even dealing with this shit like he's not good on the field He's not good off the field. Like, let's get rid of this fucking guy. Excuse my language. But, um, yeah, he just kept doubling down on it. And then I think today uh, he eventually took the tweet down 
And then Pete Carroll came out either yesterday, it must have been yesterday, and said, you know, we talked to him about it. Like, we, we, we're not trying to be involved in any of this kind of stuff. And then they asked Jamal Adams about it. And he said, uh, when they go low, I go lower. That's what I do. He's like, I don't care. So, Have he, you ever known Jamal Adams to act like a sane person? No. No. There you go. So They know what they paid for. Morons. That, that's still the worst trade in Seahawks history, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I mean, mm, I'll have to. We'll yeah. have to invest. We'll have to get you, stack guy on that. When you decide, you know, it uh, was basically ended up being the. If if Russell Wilson doesn't get hurt his last year here, then it doesn't look as bad, because it would have been like a, the thirtieth pick in the draft and the or whatever, not thirtieth, but two like late twenties picks for Jamal Adams, which is fine. But ended up one of them ended up being number eight or nine or whatever. So. I think this, you asked me last week, the, has, has football passed Pete Carroll by? And I think that is a, a, an example of a moment where you might go, maybe. And it's because it's a box safety, which are kind of like a thing of the past now. The, the John Lynch's, uh, the Cam Chancellor's, he, he was an alien, so maybe he still works. But even Cam had trouble covering, you know, over the top in the middle. Um, is more like a wrecking ball, you know, for the run game. There isn't a lot of that out there right now. I think it's more valuable almost to have a couple of what you would call a f- couple of free safeties, ones that are out there roaming and and can uh, are better in coverage and can also, when needed, come up and and you know blitz blitz the uh, the quarterback or make a tackle on a running back. Um, he's a he's just really bad in pass, um, and he's kind of inconsistent you know, in the running game as well. So yeah, to your point, pretty bad trade. Um, probably shouldn't have paid that much for kind of a position that's going away um, right now. So and they, I don't know. They restructured his contract going into this season. So I don't even think they can get out from under it this coming year. But have to carry him one more year before they can realistically get out. Well, they probably spread it out over said time so they could clear up some cap space for this year. And, you know, we can look at the the salary tracker website. I forget what it is and probably pull it up pretty quick. I don't know what his cap hit would be over the next couple of years. But um, I don't know. You can always get out of these guys, it seems. Um, there's somebody that'll take him. Yeah. But, you All know. right. Well, uh, please listen, like, rate, review, share the podcast. Appreciate you all listening. We're almost at two hours. Mike, take it away. All right, Jeremy, doing this podcast with you is everything and nothing.